0: Hi there, this is the PowerPoint Tribe where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Yes, it's love, but it's it's strong. Hallelujah. Because it's a serious matter. I don't think we even teach relationship enough in in this house. February cannot do it again. Too many of us are single who we'll make decisions from March to January. <laughs> All you understand is So we need to be shocking it here and there with these things. So we're going to do what we can this morning. Hallelujah. Are you ready to be blessed? Amen. The pillars had a very fantastic outing yesterday. Amen. I received full gist, full gist. Who <laughs> Who else? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So let, let's begin by examining the top five false indicators of readiness. The top five false indicators of readiness in marriage. Yeah, you can Let me bring the board. Yes, thank you, sir. All right. Top five false indicators of readiness in marriage. The number one false indicator of readiness is age. The number one false indicator of readiness is age. And it happens to be one of the most compelling indicators. It's false, but it happens to be one of the most compelling, especially because of the social, cultural, you know, Context: that we find ourselves as Nigerians, as Africans. How many of you have heard things like your biological clock is ticking? How many people have heard you are ripe? Why are you not a mango? So you are ripe for marriage. You are, not a balumo. you are ripe. What's the meaning of that? Because they're looking at you in the context of age. You have gotten to a place where, ah, if you don't marry now, hmm. Huh, If you don't marry now, and then people have been thrown into a sea of desperation because of this pressure from the society, from their friends, from themselves when they go for Oambes. So I'm getting older and older, and then they assume that age is what should actually tell them they are ready. Age is not what signals readiness. It's an important factor to consider, but it's not the most critical factor. It's a false indicator of readiness, age you're old or older than 30 or nearing mid 30 does not mean you are ready (laughs) it does not mean readiness is defined by another parameter entirely praise the name of the Lord and so don't let anyone on the premise on the basis of age get you into desperation and anxiety as far as getting married is concerned no you see when God created the concept of marriage It was not you he had in mind. It was himself. But every time a lot of us think about marriage, we don't think about God. We think about ourselves. Marriage is a product for him. It's a product with kingdom in mind. So the most important concept about marriage is purpose. Not you. Not you. God will never invest in anything that does not bring glory back to the kingdom. If he created the concept of marriage, it's because he had the kingdom in mind. Not you, not both of you in that marriage. No. And so purpose is the most important thing to every one of us on earth, including for marriage. So guess what? Prophetess Anna was married for seven years. God did not speak to her. God had an assignment for her. It was hanging. She was married. though. She, God, God, God didn't speak to her. God kept quiet for seven years. For seven years. God couldn't speak to her. This man dies, and then suddenly God speaks to her and says, I need you. Why didn't you speak to me before? While she was in that marriage, God did not mention a thing to her. Her husband dies after seven years of getting married from her virginity, and then suddenly God opens his voice and begins to speak to her and says, go into the temple, begin to fast and pray every day until Jesus comes. She did that for as long as possible. She was 84 years before she perhaps passed on or before Jesus showed up. So she must have done that for 60 something years. Praying, fasting every single day without getting married again, ever. Ever. The greatest writer in the whole of Scripture was not married. Amen. If you do not understand purpose, your marriage will ruin it. If you understand purpose, your marriage would optimize it. So marriage is for purpose to start with. So age is not a consideration. If you allow age to pressurize you, you will make the wrong decision. Because you can't stop age, you can't control that one. It does not depend on you or your desires, it happens. It just happens, tomorrow I'll be a day older. So why should something I cannot control determine when I get married? Don't let anybody pressurize you. They may wake you up in the middle of the night and say, "My child, <laughs> say my mother too. Tell <laughs> my mother, so that we talked. You understand? Age is a false indicator of readiness. The number two false indicator of readiness <laughs> in marriage is financial capacity. Amen. Temi yeah. and Corey, yeah. <laughs> you say I have fujists. Fujists loaded. Not your own, Sal. Not your own. I guess I should put it out there. It's, it's, it's not your own. Look at the folly of making a decision about marriage based on financial capacity. Don't worry, this is not economics. Amen. This guy, this is Corey. Let's say this is Kay. Father, we give you praise. Now, Temmie wants to make a decision and meets Corey here. This represents the amount of money you earn on an annual basis, say $10,000. 20, 30, 40, 50. So let's say this guy earns even less than $10,000 a year. So let's say 100K. Because that's what Corey earned yesterday. Let's say 100K per month. So this is where Corey is. You meet Corey here. Can we all see me? but you don't have perspective on this because this is where you met him. Then you make a decision on Corey based on how much he's earning today, 2023. This is 2023. You make that decision on whether you wanna get married to Corey or not, based on how much he's earning today, 2023, and it is less than $10,000. Maybe dollars $10, is making it too big for us. Let's, let's put $1,000 here, $1,000. So it's earning less than $1,000 in a year. Can you imagine that? That's really small. Maybe sixty dollars per month. Do you see? And where do you want to start from now? Where do you want to start from? And then you're like, no, no, no. This this will not work. But you make K. Big boy. Solid guy. $50,000, for example. Per annum. You make him here. This is 2023. You don't have perspective on this. Amen? Amen. Who is better off in terms of their net present value? Who is better off between K and Corey? Accumulation of all the future earnings brought near. It's Corey! But Corey does not look like it today. Corey does not look like this picture today, but this is what he will earn in another few years. Five years, ten years down the line, this guy will buy you a yacht. This guy will spoil you. But this guy today, he will mesmerize you, give you a Valentine gift that will finish. He will just scatter your mind. But by this year, you guys will not have an apartment to live in. He has nothing to offer than just promises. Ah, don't worry. There's one new crypto now. I will soon invest in it. Just give me one more year. There's one new coin. It's a new coin. And that's what he will keep telling you for the rest of your life. But it looks very compelling now. Financial capacity is a false indicator of readiness. Based on financial capacity, I was less than Corey. Amen? So you're looking at Corey now. I'm telling you the truth. I was less than Corey. I didn't have a job when I got married. And that's not to say you lose a job to get married. No, that's not what I'm saying. But it is not the most important indicator of readiness. If you make a decision as important as who you spend the rest of your life with, based on how much they're earning in one moment in time, boy, that that can be very costly. Should he be able to take care of himself? We're going to get to the real indicators. We'll get there. But I'm just trying to pick out the top five false indicators of readiness in marriage. The first one is age. The second one is financial capacity. The third one is chemistry. Mm. And and too much chemistry can burn the lab. Spoil all the titrations. Scatter all the tubes. Too much chemistry. You see, what people call chemistry is compelling feelings of attraction. I mean, you guys are talking for five hours. You didn't even notice. You guys are hanging out. You can't even, it's like you can't help it. As you are dreaming, you are dreaming about you are waking up. The first thing you want to see on your phone is a text from him or her. You just want to see him all day long, talk all day long. And you just just be in each other's spaces. Amen. And because you are feeling that way, and you perhaps have never felt that way before in all your love life, you believe that this must be the one. Because this chemical combination is too much, it's too too strong for it not to be the one. Chemistry is a false indicator of readiness. That both of you have chemistry, both of you gel, you vibe, those are the words you use. We just gel. And all we want. You just gel, you just vibe. And that's fine, it's okay. But don't take it as a very reliable indicator of readiness. Anybody can have chemistry, anybody. In fact, chemicals can have chemistry. And you're not a chemical. You're a human being. You're a person. You're a child of God. You're a son of God. You base such a decision as important as who you spend the rest of your life with. Much more on things beyond chemistry. The fourth false indicator. Like I said, top five, age, financial capacity, chemistry. Fourth one is willingness. <laughs> you can be willing and not ready. Say, so I'm now ready to, I'm, because I'm willing. No, willingness is not enough. Adam did not even understand marriage, but he was ready. So, willingness—that you are now willing, because you have money, because you have an apartment, because you have a car—so you are now willing. You know, I'm now. It's time. You feel like you're ready, but you've not gotten the most important indicator. And then you say, "Oh well, I'm ready now." That's that's a false indicator. There are people who are ready but are not willing. God provides that willingness. And there are people who are willing, over willing, but they're not ready. They're not ready. Willingness is not equal to readiness. My daughter has been willing to drive a car (laughs) since. She tries to help me change my gear, press my brakes and stuff. But is she ready? Willingness is not readiness. You can be willing to get married, but not be ready for marriage. So it's not enough to be willing, it's not enough. The last false indicator is burn rate. This has a coefficient in business. Burn rate is how much you spend on a monthly basis to fund your startup, which is usually what is used to project what you're likely gonna need in the future based on the funds that the investors will push in your direction. So you need to project the use of funds, right? So burn rate is how much you spend, like how much do you need every month that gives me an idea of how much i can invest in you and how how much it can last or how long it can last you but that's not what i mean here i'm talking about the rate of sexual lust or burn like what paul said in first corinthians 7 he said i would rather everybody is like me (laughs) but he said he said it's okay don't worry Uh, if you cannot control yourself hmm. that's what paul now said he said if you cannot control yourself it's better to marry than to burn boys at the lower is the lowest reason for getting married. Yeah. It's the lowest reason. It's, it's for those who are animalistic in their hormonal experiences. So it says, if you cannot control yourself, marry, it's better. That is, in this very degenerate level of reasoning for marriage, this is the basest and most accommodated reason for getting married. Well, it's okay, just if it's better, To marry than to burn. Rather than burn, marry. Read it in NLT. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Said if they cannot contain, your getting married will not correct your lack of self control. It won't correct it. That you are now married does not mean your wife's perpetual destiny and ambition is to satisfy your sexual desire and lust. She cannot she can't she'll get pregnant she'll nurse there will be months you will go without getting married or rather without having sex months amen some people are shocked some men are shocked Eh? are you serious yes months will go where do you want to start from the thing is like this where do you want to, you want to go how praise god it's but it's the truth if you cannot control yourself before marriage, you won't control yourself in marriage. You won't. This is the lowest reason why people should get married. It says if they can't control themselves. Why should a man who cannot control himself be getting married in the first place? You can't control yourself. So you get married as a stopgap or as an intervention for your lack of self-control. So ah, I can't control myself. Can we get married tomorrow? Please, please, let's just get married. That's the idea. Anyone who is agreeing to this advice should feel insulted. I can't control so you have to acknowledge that you can't control yourself to marry for because of burning. For this reason. So the burn rate there is talking about the degree to which you feel compelled to have sex based on your hormonal, you know, interactions in your body. And so you feel like you need to have sex to quell the desires of your body. The hormonal discharges and how you are feeling and how movies are making you feel. And how guys in this season are going to make you feel. You go out, everybody's doing mushy mushy. And then you're also feeling like you need to grab somebody. And the next available sister is now a candidate for your wife. So I don't want to burn. Let me marry. That should not be a reason. It's the least acceptable tolerable reason under God to get married and it is so that after you get married you still deal with your self-control so that it will not deal with you eventually there are people who become promiscuous because their wife got pregnant and their wives have agreed that a man will be a man now a man will be a man a man cannot hold body let's begin to change that narrative a man cannot hold body a man will be a man a man cannot help himself Because every man is perpetually a prostitute. It's only the women that can choose to be prostitute. But every man is a prostitute. That's the implication. Every man is, I mean, can't help himself. If if his wife cannot do, he can go and find it outside. And I don't have a problem with that. And that's the way some women are thinking. Just to accommodate this excess in men. There will be seasons you will control yourself. There will be seasons you will fast. And you won't have sex. If you can't control yourself, you are not ready for marriage at all. Go and deal with your lack of self-control. Don't use marriage as a stopgap. Don't use marriage as a temporary fix. Praise the name of the Lord. Did you hear that? So what are the top five false indicators of readiness in marriage? Age, yeah. Financial capacity. Chemistry. Willingness. Burn rate. Yeah. Don't let... Your reason for wanting to get married be dependent on these five reasons. They are false indicators. I, have na- I now have enough money to get married. What it may likely do for you, if you have enough money to get married, is that you will not stop getting married. Because more money, like Solomon, uh, what am we using money for? It's to marry now? Because money was your basis for, you know, assessing yourself as ready. So if you believe money is the reason why you get married, more of it will mean more marriage. Do you know some people, the reason why they stay at one wife is because they don't have enough money. Once they have small more like this, enough to sustain another woman, ah, they will get married to another wife. And then a little more on top of that is another wife. Because for them, financial capacity is the only indicator for readiness. Once you have the money, you can have the woman. Age is not. Financial capacity is not. Chemistry is not. Very important, chemistry is not. The dating culture in the West should not be adopted, hook, land, and sinker. Chemistry is not. You date 50 men. You have confused yourself, because you don't even have an idea of how you felt the first date anymore. Is the last one that's still fresh? No, so you, you, you've just confused yourself. You now want to based on, okay, because the only logic behind that kind of a system of evaluation is chemistry. Which one do I vibe the most with? Because that's not the only thing you're testing when you go for dates. You're taking for vibe. Which one do I fight the most? Which one do we have the most interesting conversation? And then based on that interesting conversation in that one night, you say, this must be the guy. Chemistry is not. Willingness is not. Burn rate is not. Amen. What is the most important indicator for readiness in marriage? Wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all thy gettings, get understanding. Wisdom is the most important thing you need To ascertain readiness if you don't have wisdom you are not ready it does not matter your age it does not matter how much money you have it doesn't matter how many people you have chemistry with it doesn't matter how willing you are it does not matter how much you burn if you don't have wisdom you're not ready simple as ABC simple you do not have what it takes wisdom is the principal thing for by wisdom a house is built and by understanding it's established praise the name of the Lord however Wisdom has five signs that proves that it is in a person. That is, how do I determine that this person has wisdom? And you can determine it in yourself as well. Amen. So, should we go list those five signs? The first sign is that you can hear God. You can hear God. Because, see, if you don't hear God, you will make decisions based on this map. You will look at Corey based on the scene of your eyes and the hearing of your ears, you won't ask God, who is Corey in the scheme of things? I, won't, I don't want to marry Abraham. When is Abraham? And think he would always be Abraham. I'm marrying Abraham. Yeah. Only God can tell you that it is Abraham. But right now, it looks like Abraham. But he will meet you, Abraham. He's still 25 years. Yeah. He will meet you as Abraham. But if you marry him, you become the mother of nations. But you despise him as Abraham and say, ah, what does he have? He's broke. He doesn't have children. He doesn't have money. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. Go read up the story of Pastor Sam and Pastor Nicky Ademi. Pastor Nicky coming from a very wealthy, affluent home, a father, a professor, went to a university. Pastor Sam, on the other hand, went to a polytechnic. His father was a contractor, but things were not working so well for them at some point. And so in terms of social class, they were not on the same level. He didn't even have the money. But she believed that this is Abraham. He may be Abraham today, But he's Abraham in the long run. And some people marry Nabal. He has the money, but he's broke of ideas. He's broke of wisdom. But you marry Nabal. And you become Miss Nabal. Because you had the same identity with your husband. So you are Miss Nabal. You are Mrs. Foolish. Fool. Buffoon. That is what it means. That's what Nabal's meaning. That's the meaning of Nabal. You marry him, you come into his foolish company. But he has money. He has thousands of sheep and cattle and goats. Should have had more goats. I don't know why he had more sheep. But he had thousands of sheep, cattle, goats, livestock. He had money. You go to his house, you see cars. Bentley, everything. But his neighbor. Be careful who you say yes to. Be careful who you say yes to. So the first thing is you can hear God. And you can hear God beyond who to spend the rest of your life with. If the only time you ask God for direction is when somebody has asked you out and you're asking God to know if he's the one, you will hear wrong. It's a guarantee. God is not a DPR, he's not a Babalao that you visit because you need something and you dispense of him. Once what he has given you is been useful, has been given to you, you just dispense of him because that's his usefulness to just solve your problems. You don't have any intimate relationship with him. He has never led you before on anything. He's never led you to read your Bible. He's never led you into the pages of scripture. He's never given you wisdom from the word. He's never allowed you. He has never told you anything apart from something as important as who you want to spend the rest of your life with. He's not the one telling you that one. It was something else that I told you. You've got to have a relationship with God to justify him coming forward to tell you why this person or that person is right or wrong for you. You can't walk him up. He's not, he's not a spirit. You cannot walk up like that. You just dance and you dance and you do stuff and you give offerings you, and you just walk him up. and then He's not a witch. He's God. He's a person. He's a person. He has feelings. You must have a relationship with him. You can hear God for yourself. That's the basis of wisdom. If you cannot hear God for yourself, you're not ready for marriage. Because these are the indicators of the presence of wisdom in a person's life. That he can hear God. He can hear God. She can hear God for herself. She knows God. She has a personal relationship with God. Amen. Amen. Number two. You know the purpose of God for your life. If you do not know the purpose of God for your life, you don't know who is assisting it or who is distracting it. You don't know it because you don't know your purpose. Praise the name of the Lord. Are we still together, guys? Hmm. I'm going a long way this morning. You you understand the purpose of God for your life. (laughs) This is very important. Do you know Mary had no business saying yes to Joseph until Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist for at least six months. Purpose has timing. Mary will not just marry because, oh, it's time for Mary to marry. Purpose is attached. There is a Jesus and a salvation objective for every relationship. Did you hear what I just said? There is a salvation objective to every relationship. There is a purpose attached to every relationship. So Mary saying yes to Joseph, a year before Elizabeth takes in, is a wrong marriage, even though it's the right people. Did you hear what I said? So it's not enough that I'm marrying the right person. You must marry them for the right reasons, at the right time. Because Mary saying yes to Joseph, a year before, there's no Jesus coming from them, at least we know. And then that means... Their purpose of getting married is defeated. So Mary must say yes to Joseph at the right time when Elizabeth is six months gone with John the Baptist. Because that is the protocol of the prophecy. She's literally entering into a prophecy. Joseph and Mary knew that Jesus was bigger than both of them collectively. They knew that there was a purpose bigger than both their emotions. Imagine how awkward things must have been. Those first few seasons or few days or few months of Coming to terms with the fact that we are going to be together because of this child. Just imagine how awkward things would have been. Mary, Mary, thinking, this guy does not believe me. Or, or thinking, so you're going to leave me like that with this old child. <laughs> Jesus, oh, you leave me, you leave Jesus fatherless. You know, the awkwardness. Joseph could have been thinking, is it the Holy Ghost that really impressed I've never heard it before. They would, they would say those things to themselves, but in their minds, they're just thinking again that ah, Holy Ghost. Wow. Give me two to <laughs> Holy Ghost. Give. Hmm. Okay. Do, do you know, at that point, they couldn't be saying, I love you. You know, the awkwardness. You can't be waking up to text messages. Of, you are the apple of any. You are not the apple of anything. We are in crisis. Our relationship has hit a, a rock. But we have to stick together because of Jesus. Hmm. That is how relationships are supposed to be. You are, if, if, if both of them exhaust their emotions and their feelings... Both of them don't stick together because it was a tough time. Moving together, protecting that child, because that child is much more important than both of them. The purpose for which God brought both of you together is more important than both of you and your feelings combined. So if you do not know your purpose, you will forfeit. You will forfeit it. You don't know it, so you will jettison you will it. You will affect it. You will sabotage it because you do not even know it to start with. You will choose the person that will sabotage it for you. The purpose is bigger than both of you Combined. This is Jesus we're talking about here. Remove your, put it aside, put it in one basket. The salvation of the world is at stake. Forget about how you're feeling. Both of us are required to bless this Jesus. Because without you, this guy cannot be the son of David. Both of them were so essential to the prophecy. They couldn't now be exalting their feelings. And that's how your marriage too will be. There will be things that are more important than how you're feeling. You don't break up because I, I, I just stopped feeling it. Have you heard reasons for breakups? Have you heard reasons for divorce? I, I, I didn't feel him anymore. There will be no end to how you feel. Because there are 10,000 people in the world that you can continue to be feeling after. You, you leave that one because you stopped feeling it. You get into another one, then chemistry will be high at the beginning. And the laboratory will burn and you go to another one. And the truth is this, for every successive marriage, the chances of success continue to reduce the chances of a divorce continue to increase with every successive marriage. That starts to prove that. So you don't leave people because you stop feeling it. Is there a purpose to start with? The purpose has not changed because of your feelings. Hmm. The purpose did not change simply because you stopped feeling it. Feelings don't confer validity to relationships. It's purpose. There is a salvation objective to every relationship. There is a salvation objective and that salvation would always be an objective. If it was an objective in the beginning, it's an objective for the entire life's, lifespan of that relationship. And so don't let your, re- your, your, your feelings and your emotions sabotage the purpose of God for both of your lives. Because there are lives that will not be saved if both of you break up. Just imagine how important that relationship must have been. And for some of you who take for granted the weight of a yes. For ladies, for example, you just eh, say, you are not yet married both of them were not yet married Mary and Joseph were not yet married but God activated a protocol that involved Gabriel going to tell Mary about Jesus on the strength of a yes to a proposal they had not gotten married God did not say ah let me wait for them to get married this is a very important announcement by the way this is the most important assignment in the entire canon of scripture the person of Jesus Christ these guys were not yet married they were still dating And God said, it is time, Gabriel, go and tell Mary. Because guess what? If she said yes casually, and one month down the line, she says no. She can't birth Jesus. God forbid and aborted Jesus. But that was the weight of a yes that a woman gave to another man. It's beyond I like you, you like me. Jesus is at stake. Amen. Amen. Don't take these things for granted. Oh, it's just another guy in my track record. I've sampled a number of them. another Another guy. So a lot of people don't take yeses in relationships seriously. The only one they take seriously is marriage. I don't want to go too deep into Mary and Joseph because there's a whole curriculum to get from there. But it's important that you understand that. Number two, you understand the purpose of God for your life, like Joseph and Mary understood it. It was very clear. These are the things that show us that you have wisdom. Number one, you can hear from God for yourself. Look at how Isaac, for example, Isaac went into the field to meditate, and then of course. You know, Rebecca was coming. Hallelujah. Such, such prophetic alignment. He went to meditate, and then the camels were coming with Rebecca on it. Powerful stuff. You've got to learn to hear from God. You've got to understand the purpose of God for your life. Number two, you've got to learn how to control yourself. If you cannot control yourself, you're like a city without walls, broken down, vulnerable. Look at Samson. Look at Amnon, for example. So you are feeling so connected to someone, does not mean you love them. Love, the real love is heavily regulated and controlled. If there is this compelling feeling, I can't help myself, it's a sign that it's not love, it's loss, it's infatuation. I'm not looked at Tama, said, so I must have her. He, he had such a compelling feeling towards her, it affected his biology, he felt sick. What can be more real than what affects your health? You know, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't discourage him from, or you couldn't convince him. That he didn't love Tamar. There was no way Amnon would speak to you about Tamar. And you won't think he loved her. There was no way. He was falling sick because he had not gotten her. He was down. He went to the hospital. He was taking drugs, medicine. They will visit him in the hospital. Why are you here? Tamar has not responded to my chats. That was how much he thought he loved her. And they would give him more the medication. It was not getting better because Tamar had not responded. Tamar would respond to a chat, Wow. And he will feel good. So there was no way you could. convince him that he didn't love Tamar. Yet it was not love. So you are feeling garrulous. <laughs> Your tummy is climbing mountains. And you are feeling like butterflies are all over the place. It does not mean there's love present. Because Bible says he had her for just one day. <sighs> See how short-lived it was. Just one day he had her, and Bible says the hatred he had for her exceeded the affection he had for her in the beginning. He loved her so much, he kicked her out of his life, kicked her out of his room, get out, and that was the last time we heard of Tamar. She went to start living with her brother, and that was the end of her story. Because to rape a woman is to kill that woman, according to scripture. And it, it began with chemistry, feelings. Oh, I must have her. Oh. If I don't have her, I will fall sick. Be careful of the lines you use to, 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 to woo your baby. I'm not nick lines. If, if, I don't, if I don't talk to you in a day, I will fall sick. Ah, the last person that's, that, that behaved like that character did not love the woman. He thought he loved her, but he didn't. Love is regulated. Love is controlled. Love is not a victim of anything. It's not a victim of a feeling. Love is in charge. Praise the name of the Lord. So you can control yourself. It shows you're wise. You can control yourself. You know, should I say this one? So, um, my wife was in a relationship before we met. She was in a very short relationship, three months. And that was the only relationship she was in before we met. And so when I met her, I discovered she was in a relationship. I'd liked her from before... We met personally. What did you say? What did she say? Eh? Huh? Before time. Hmm. Praise God. So she was this usher back then, UJCM. And of course, you can't miss her. Tall. Praise God. <laughs> so she would, you know, welcome people to church. She was tall and very straight-faced. She didn't used to. In fact, I was a pastor. A lot of people knew me. But she didn't care, she didn't know me, she just... So as I'm coming, you know, just like everybody else, just no time. No time. Now we'll be smiling and be... now. <laughs> like, don't you know a person i So she didn't know me. So I, I just used to notice her that this babe, I'll talk to you one day. So when I eventually had the opportunity to speak with her, at that point she was in a relationship. A relationship she had, because, you know it's funny, Hey, another false indicator, alignment of profile. And I will explore that. What that means is I'm tall. He has to be tall too. Because guess what? My, my wife was under the pressure of getting involved with a guy, right? Do you know what I mean, Praise God. Because she being a tall lady, she wanted a guy that can compliment her. That I, I can't be this tall and be, you know, aligning with somebody that would make me descend on the wedding day and be doing like this. So let me get someone that can at least, you know, who align. So, and of course a lot of guys were on her case, so she, the tallest of them all. She was in a relationship with the guy, but of course it wasn't the right one. And, but the moment I discovered that she was in a relationship, I stopped checking up immediately. I liked her enough to perhaps want to just press my own, do my own stuff, but love is regulated for another six, seven months. Didn't do anything. She broke up funny enough, two months after we met or a month after or something, after we had met, but she also knew that it was not her breakup that would make me now run back. Because I, I may have interpreted it wrong. So she broke up, she didn't say a word to me. So we went like that for another five months. She had broken up. I thought she was still in a relationship and everything was just going normal once in a while, you know, we'll check up on each other, just once in a while. She was the one, because I was still mourning my extra year then. So I didn't have time for anybody. So she would check up on me and ask her what I'm doing. Just once in a very blue moon, then I went back to campus to, you know, continue my extra year. And then I just felt, let me go just check up on this lady. Just my friend, you know, but like, let's just, you may be in a relationship, but I'm still your friend, you know. That was when I realized that she had broken up six months before. I'm like, ah, oh, why did you tell me? <laughs> but honestly, if she had told me back then, it would have been a negative sign for me. It would have been, okay, so why did you break up? So is that you break up with me too? So I will come inside, you don't like me again, you break up, you get another guy. So you've got to think strategically about the things you do. So you meet a new guy, you now break up with the one you are with. Don't, don't do that. Because you meet a, a guy that trumps this your new guy on all those metrics that you left this other one for. So be very careful. You don't make decisions based on what you can see, taste, smell, and feel. It was the wrong relationship. That was why she broke it. And so we then, of course, took it to the next level. Because now she was, you know, vacant. (laughs) Praise God. And that's the truth. You've got to be very... What brought us into this? (laughs) Help me. Yes, thank you. Love is heavily regulated and controlled. So this feeling of, I must have you or nobody else can. That's obsession. And that's from the pit of hell. Because you will kill for that feeling at some point. You will kill. And such men are abusive of their wives. They possess them like a possession. She's not your possession. She doesn't belong to you. She belongs to God. Both of you belong to one another under God. She's not your sole property. Amen. Number four. You can recognize a wife and a husband. You can What does that mean? Let me use, let me do a quick illustration here. Debola, come forward. (laughs) Come forward. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Ah, we've never entered the middle of this teaching. Anyways, look at everybody now. Go and find him. Okay, okay, okay. Go and find it. Find what? Bradley <laughs> Can you find Bradley Nottos? Why? about Plukovata? Can you find that? Why? So if I say find a guy wearing a sky blue shirt. So that's Balumi, right? Because there are predefined qualities with which you will search for him. Thank you. Let's clap for her. But if per adventure you stumble on Bradley <laughs> just reach out to me. Is a wife does a wife become a wife when she's married or before she got married? Why? I thought a wife is a legal term used for married women. So can I call you a wife if you're not married? Amen. man. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Finds you cannot find without predefined qualities you are looking out for You cannot find what you do not know what it looks like If you do not know what a wife looks like you will not find a wife you will find what you know Only husbands find wives because a wife is not a wife when she gets married. A wife already has those qualities. That is why she was found. There could be a bunch of rubbles here. If there's gold, they will find it. Because that's a quality that transcends all the other qualities that rubbles have. It's shiny. It's golden. So it doesn't matter how long it takes. I'm looking for something. I will look and I just find the most available rubble. Because it's easier. It's more convenient. He will find... So God already tells you from that statement that a wife has predefined qualities of value that I must be able to perceive. If I'm not a husband, I can't perceive at that level. I can't perceive at that level. Every man gets what he deserves at the end of the day. So how you find a wife is to become a husband. <laughs> Amen. Because like I said, God will not punish another person with you if you're not the right person for them. Hallelujah. Hmm. So Bible says he who finds a wife, finds a good thing and obtains favor. Ah, this is another opportunity to use another illustration, right? You know, a lot of men believe that they do everything. The woman is just at home taking care of the babies. Nothing could be more foolish. So God gave me an illustration to explain to me the rule of my wife in my life. So he said... You have written for, to, to get a contract. You've, you've applied for a contract. You've applied, and you've drafted out your PowerPoint proposals. You've done all your research. You've got all your analytics, all your graphs, all your charts, all of that. You've done all the research. You're ready. You've submitted the application. They saw your application. They did not call you. They saw your, And then for five years, you've been doing the exact same thing. They never called you once. Then one day, you're on a flight, and you, you, you met with some guy, you know, sitting beside you and you guys were just talking. And then you realize that he happened to be the executive director at that government parastatal that was given contracts that you've been applying for the last five years. Then you exchange contacts and you let him know that, ah, by the way sir, I've been applying to this place so for the past five years. I've done everything within my power. I don't even know what else to do. He said, hey, let me see your proposal. And he sees it and he's like, ah, this is good. Why have they not given you audience? He said, you know what? Uh, when is your next, just submit the next round alright call me let's go there together so um, the next round comes around and I submit and then I call him and said sir our appointment is next week Tuesday sir are you available He that like, okay uh, it's a bit tough but I'll, I'll show up where is it happening and then of course he had been ED for a long time and then he's just resigned so he is very influential in the system so he just comes so when are you going in okay 10 a.m. This is 9 a.m. He sits with me. As we are seated together, as people are passing, ah, well done, sir. <laughs> we celebrate you, sir. How have you been, sir? It's fine. And he just sits. He doesn't say a word. He just sits. And then the next round, okay, go to the panelists, let them ex- examine your application and all of that. And as he goes there, everybody on the panel, they just stand up. Ah, welcome, welcome, sir. We <laughs> Thank you, sir. And he doesn't say words. word. That's fine. That's fine. He just sits. Asking questions. Uh, I hope you are fine. Uh, that's the question they're asking you. <laughs> so I hope you are fine. I hope you are fine. Your application is the best, as a matter of fact. <laughs> it's the best. Your well <laughs> application is so good. In fact, we don't even know what we've been doing for the past five years. This is the best. So thank you. We'll, we'll get back to you. The next day, he gets a, a mail that tells him that he is now qualified to be the one to handle the contract. That man did not say a word. That man did not add anything to his presentation. That man did not say anything. He was just there. He was just there. And then just being there changed everything. That is what favor is. Favor may not do. It's the presence of favor that changes the game. So I've been doing contracts. I've been writing presents. I've been writing books. I've been doing everything. I got married to her. Not like she started writing the books. She didn't start going to the work for me. But everything now started making sense. That's what favor does. So it is foolishness to assume that uh, what did he do? She be just sat beside me. She be just accompanied me. She be was just seen with me. That is all he did. You've been doing it without him for the past five years. He didn't get you any result. The first time he just showed up. It changes the game. That is what favor is. So, if you continue to give yourself the credit that you are the one doing all the hard work, try doing it without her. Then you realize that the presence of the favor is the real hard work. And only God can give that. He says, he that finds a good wife finds a good thing. Even at that, he didn't earn it. It was given from above. Even at that, you didn't earn your wife. You didn't earn your husband. You can't find a wife and find a husband and think you deserved it. Every husband and a wife must bring you to the place of gratitude. A husband a a oh, you must be continually thanking God for them for the rest of your life. Because at the end of the day, it's still favor from the Lord. You don't earn favors. Favors are given. And that is what a wife is. That is what a husband is. And it was so graphical, that wow, five years of hard work, labor, without favor one day with favor and changed everything but favor did not raise a hand favor did not say a word at the interview room favor did not say anything he was just seen with me favor is actually activated by sight the moment see if you carry favor the the only thing that can use to stop you is to not see you if they can see a man that carries favor you can't resist him all. if a man carries favor and getting married confess that favor on you. It does. So the doors you've been knocking before you got married, go ahead and knock them again. You'll be surprised. It will just open of own accord if there is favor. Praise the name of the Lord. So imagine how my perception of my wife would have increased from that moment. And so it is foolish men that assume, I bring all the money, so I bring one million, you bring 2,000. I earn one million, you earn 2,000. That's foolishness. Both of you earn one million, 2,000 naira. Both of you amen amen so you've got to have the ability to recognize a wife and a husband and how you recognize them is to become one number five you understand and are exercised in the love of god you understand and are exercised in the love of god pastor also did a very fantastic job on you know, on Thursday, teaching us about kindness. You understand the love of God. You, you are exercised by it. You volunteer. You serve people. You don't have expectations of reward every single time you serve. You are serving always. Looking for how to just be a blessing. You wear your cap. Remember that um, we had that session with the pillars some time ago? You wear your cap. You are actively serving the Lord. Serving with no hope of return from anybody. You're just serving the Lord because you love the Lord. You understand and are exercised. In the love of God like Abraham you see when you have these five things you are wise you can hear God that means you will not make foolish decisions that you will regret because God would have told you in advance it will lead you in the right way that you should go you can hear God you can control yourself you understand the purpose of God for your life and number four you recognize a wife from her husband and, and husband and number five you understand and are exercised in the love of God amen hallelujah I already forgot word. No, no, really. I already forgot word. So let's begin. Genesis chapter 2. Let's begin. So that was just to help us establish some things and the coordinates of our teaching today. Genesis chapter 2, very powerful from verse 18. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Are we ready yes, praise god Hallelujah. genesis chapter 2 from verse 18 and the lord god said it is not good that man should be alone i will make him and help me it for him and out of the ground the lord god formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto adam to see what he would call them and whatsoever adam called every living thing that was their name thereof and adam gave names to all the cattle and all the fowls of the air and all the beasts of the field for adam there was not found and helped me for him. Remember, Adam fulfilled all of these parts. He was able to recognize a wife. Different from a, you know, an antelope or a monkey. He was able to recognize that this one is a wife. And verse 21, Bible says, and the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took out of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man, verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He said, she shall be called woman, he said, because she was taken out of man, Mm. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. And they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. A whole book is coming out of this passage of scripture. So I cannot really exhaust the bandwidth of understanding locked up in this verses of scripture. But I'm going to try right, for the next few minutes. This is really powerful. Adam... Sees Eve and then he enters into the prophetic. Because up until then, you know, there was no other man. He was the first man. So he had no mother, he had no father. How did he know there was such a thing as father mother? So this was a woman that conferred on him prophetic anointing. He saw her and he began to prophesy. So he prophesied and he started saying, This is now bone of my bones. He said, flesh of my flesh. He said, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And the Bible says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and both of them shall become one flesh. And the Bible says, both of them were naked and not ashamed, the man and his wife. So powerful. You know, there are a lot of questions on social media, for example. For example, you hear things like, if you're in a boat and it's about to sink, and, you know, the, the book can only accommodate one extra person, and it's between your wife and your mom. Who are you going to choose? I'm sure you've seen such questions before. And my prayer for such people is, may you never find yourself in such a situation, to start with. <laughs> Praise God. May you never find yourself in such a situation where you have to choose between both of them. But revelationally, you must understand what the Bible is talking about here, when it's talking about the role your wife plays in your life and how connected both of you are. Bible says you find a woman you just met and you leave the man and the woman you have known all your life. <laughs> that's that deep. The woman you just met for the past two years, you're getting married to her and then you are leaving everything you have always known all your life. There's something unfair about it. This is your mother, your father. They give birth to you. They're responsible for how far you have come in life. Without them, she won't marry you. They, they made you marriageable, <laughs> if not for their contribution. So, this is not we discounting the role of our parents in any way. But this is we seeing our spouses in the light of the revelation of God's word. Revelation is stronger than blood. Yeah. Bible says you were not born again by the blood. You were not born again by the will of man. You were not born again because a man's blood mixed with another woman's blood and then gave birth to you. You no. born by the will of God. And he also says in another place, he says, being born again, not of corruptible, but of incorruptible seed of God's word that lives and abides forever. There is a stronger bond between two people who receive themselves prophetically and revelationally than people who are connected by blood. You don't receive your wife the way you receive your brother and your sister and your mother and your father. You receive her revelationally. You receive her prophetically. And the reason why God will say, leave your father and your mother and cleave to your wife is because she had always belonged with you. Before you met your father and your mother, she was taken out of man. Then she existed outside of that man for about 25 years. Then they met themselves. They had always belonged together. God had you in mind when he formed the fabric of a person in her own mother's womb. You had been connected before you met. This is Revelation talking. Because you can't understand this logically or rationally. You've got to understand revelationally. Adam said, she was taken out of me. So while my wife's parents were meeting themselves, and God was fabricating her own body within her mother's members, God had me in mind. And God used my rib to form her wherever she was. So that by the time we eventually meet, her commitment is still more to me than her parents revelation revelation this is this is not I like you you like me this is prophetic she was taken out of me she shall be called woman she is bone of my bone she is flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because was taken out of man for this reason there is a justification for leaving your father and your mother this is the reason for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and he will be joined unto his wife and it shall become one flesh this is the basis for intimacy if you're having your bath right now ladies for example you're having your bath somebody comes and walks up and sneaks up to you in your room or you just finished having your bath you're you're dressing up what would you do somebody you did not expect to come into the room what would you do you will cover up like who gave you the permission to come into the room However, when you're having a bath, do you cover up yourself from your eyes? Do you say, oh, ah, I don't want... Do you cover up yourself from yourself? Shame is alien to oneness. Shame does not exist where unity is established. If I'm having my bath, I'm not ashamed to see myself because I am integrated, I am one with myself. If another human being who is not me comes into that space, I feel shame because now I've been intruded upon by another party that is not me. This is why Adam could not be ashamed, even though he was naked, because they were one flesh. The objective of every marriage is to revelationally come into that place of understanding and revelation and indeed become one if they become one, nothing can separate them, nothing can separate them, how God joins men together is by revelation he will give you a revelation that will join you together, he says one, both of you are joined together by revelation, no man can put asunder, no man nothing this is the secret to stability in relationships, if you don't understand this ah amen amen He says, because you had always belonged with this man, you have every reason to leave your father and your mother and be joined to this man. And you, this man, because you've always belonged to this woman, you can leave your father and your mother and be joined to this woman. And your father and your mother should not feel offended. Their investment, yes, that's fine. But it was perhaps for the first 25, 30 years. You will build even more with her. Amen. Amen. Because you had always belonged with each other. Always. She was taken out of you. God had you in mind when he made her. God had her in mind when he made you. Now you guys have met and revelationally, you must perceive yourself accurately within the corpus of scripture. The way Adam perceived his wife. Rosemary, amen? Are you sleepy? Are you sure? God is your strength. Amen. Because the journey is far. (laughs) I just encourage you small. Praise God. Look at that. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they both were naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. Naked and not ashamed. The only reason why they were naked and not ashamed is because they belonged one with another. There was no division between both of them and it's only revelation that can synchronize two different entities who were raised by different parents in different parts of the world, bring them together, and there is no division. Only revelation can achieve that. If not for revelation, you will fight till you break up. You will fight. You will fight and misunderstand each other and disagree till you divorce. Because you don't bring two incompatible, separately, separately trained, raised, different backgrounds, different idiosyncrasies, ideologies, proclivities, personality types, profiles upbringings, financial capacity, social network, all of those things different. This different now comes with a a different swag every time you say it. Different, do you understand? Different from each other. And You come together and God expects both of you to stay together for the rest of your life. You know the beauty of marriage? Ah, it's so beautiful. Neither of you can create a child in isolation. And the child is not a product of one of you exclusively. Ah, The beauty, see, God gave me this understanding and it was so powerful. He said, how a child is born is how relationships should be formed. And I'll explain what I mean. You know, the child is a product of both of the father and the mother. Both of them contributed significantly to give birth to a child. In marriage, when you both are talking to one one another, yes, you have your own component to contribute, she has her own component to contribute, the infrastructure that makes both of you able to bring about decisions and thoughts and insights that will move the family forward is dependent on your ability to listen to one another because there is a component that she contributes that you cannot contribute there's a component you contribute that she cannot contribute and without that listening that helps both of you contribute both of them properly the child of progress cannot be born so every seed of progress in a marriage is like giving birth in marriage, a man cannot give it to a, to a child by himself. He needs the unequivocal contribution of his wife. If he's not willing to have her host that child, that child is not born in your marriage. If you're not willing to listen to the arguments and the thoughts and the opinions of your wife, progress will be stalled. And i would explain it in three levels as we go along. Because wisdom is the principal thing. And the law of revelation is what keeps marriages together. It's the law of revelation. So, ah, let me just try and wrap up my thoughts in the next, say, 20 to 30 minutes. Because I'll be sharing with you three ways to view your partner. Three ways, by revelation. If you understand these things, you, God, let me not say you now, God will keep you both together. I can guarantee that. I can guarantee that. Too many breakups happen on social media. Divorce rates skyrocketing among celebrities and beyond. And it looks like a trendy thing. But there's still the right way to get married and stay married for a long, long time. It is by revelation. It's by revelation. The first way to see your partner is as an extension of yourself. Because you must see them revelationally this is where difference comes in this is where difference comes in an extension is not a direct copy of the person or of the model an extension is different from the model but it's an extension of the model people who do not see their wives or their husbands as extensions see them as threats so, when the man is doing well, you see him as a threat. Usually, women have less issues with that. It is when women are doing better than their husbands that the husband begins to feel a little threatened because she does not, he does not see her as an extension. He sees her as a threat. And what you do to threats is to contain them and annihilate them. What you do to extensions is to give them opportunities to fly. Don't cut their wings. You may be Lapidus, you may marry a Deborah, she will be more popular than you. She would have more money than you. She would have more influence than you. But don't ever see it as a threat. See it as an extension. It's still your son in many ways. If you depend on yourself, there are some places your son will never be mentioned. She will be able to take it to the ends of the earth. She is an extension of Lapidus. We only heard his name once. It was her that became the judge. There are men you will marry Deborahs. You cannot be fighting with your Deborah because she's the leader. There will be women with the leadership anointing upon their lives. And you cannot afford to be threatened by that. They will have more money than you. Yes. They will do more valiant things than you. But you cannot afford to see them as threats. See them as extensions. Because revelationally, she's an extension of you. When you see an extension of yourself, that means she's doing what you cannot do because of a limitation in geography or other types of limitations. Just like franchises work. So there's a franchise in the United States. Right now, you need that franchise here. They are not going to come down here. They will just sell you that franchise. So that you are an extension of their influence. You're not a threat. You're an extension. But for you, some people will not taste of their brand in Africa. But for you, some people will not enjoy the brand that they sell in America but for this franchise they won't do things to limit or cut or, or, or stifle your expansion they will give you everything you need that can afford your growth and stability and so if you marry a Deborah furnish her with all the things she needs to thrive because she's not a threat she's a blessing she's an extension she's an extension you must receive your partner revelationally if you don't receive her revelationally you see her as a threat Remember what I said. If she earn 700 and you earn 200, both of you earn 900. Both of you. So, the things that you're limited by, she extends you beyond those regions. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, you see her as an extension. The second way to see your partner <laughs> is to see her as a reflection. So when it comes to extension, you furnish them with the ability to fly and so You give them all the enabling environments to thrive. You give them allowance that will help their giftings and their potential to rise. You don't stifle them. You don't say they shouldn't do some things. If if you need to become the executive assistant in their own work, become it. Praise God. Because she's an extension. She doesn't threaten your manliness she extends the frontiers of its influence the way the Proverbs 31 woman became an extension of the guy but bible says she was the one that was going to defend that family at the gates she's the one at the gate not the man she's the one at the gate and so if the man sees her as a threat his family now becomes a victim because his family is no longer represented at the gate and we don't say these things enough amen because a lot of women are anxious or on how, to, how, do, how do I present? I, she's so afraid to even tell her husband. This is the vision of God upon my life. This is what I want to do with my life. But I don't know. His insecurities will not let. I don't even know if I can present it. Maybe I, I should tell my pastor so that my pastor can try to convince him. Because I don't even know if he would allow the idea of just doing daddy duties for a week while I go for projects outside Nigeria. He, I don't know if he would allow me. <laughs> I see if she'll be the only one that would receive the benefit of the produce from that contract or from that engagement or from that business opportunity. A lot of... Ah, Holy Spirit. Can we pray in tongues for 30 seconds? Oh, dear Lord. Oh, dear Lord. Ashandra dear Vista. In Jesus' name, I've prayed. In Jesus' name, I've prayed. Where... Which Churches, will you go to there and they'll say, holy Joseph, mother of or father of Jesus. If Joseph was not comfortable in the shadows, if Joseph was not comfortable in the shadows, Jesus is not raised. He must have been comfortable making Mary the popular one. And there are some people that will be like that. Some men that will be like. It doesn't undermine your leadership. We will get there. It doesn't undermine your leadership. But you must understand that God has blessed you with somebody. That will not look like you. So that you can be extended. So that your influence can go beyond the shores of your own limitation. Left by yourself. You will stay and die a limited man. Then God brings a woman. And you continue to limit her. Because you are no longer a leader. You are not a cap. You are not a lead. It's not to be a leader. Give her expression. Let her fly. She wants to take over the world. Let her take it over. Because it is both of you that are taking it over. Because guess what? Uh, the, the, the guys waiting behind with the stuff. The waiters are not weightier than the fighters. Neither that the fighters weightier than the waiters. So if you're going to be the one to wait, it's fine. Let her go do the fighting. It's fine. Don't be afraid. And I'm talking to men here. And by extension, anyone listening to me? Amen. Hmm. Hmm. So you need to perceive your wife as an extension. You need to perceive your husband as an extension. Don't stifle them. And this is why my wife would allow me to do all the things that God has committed into my hand. Because I'm an extension of her own ministry as well. That is the mindset that both of you must have. If you don't have that mindset, you personalize glories. You say, because I'm not the one standing on the stage, I'm not the one receiving the award. No! If she received it, it's an extension of my posterity. Whatever, wherever she's represented, I'm represented there. We are now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. If you hit your leg against the a stone right now, does your brain say, Oh, you be bleed there, bleed there, I don't care. The brain would also suffer hemorrhage because it will bleed to death. So Nobody asks questions about, uh, why did you two go and eat the stone? Everybody runs there with the pallets and all the red blood cells and vitamin Ks and they clot it and they cover it up, even though it was not any of their fault. It was the eyes and the toe that co- collaborated to bring that damage. But in the context of a body, nobody trades blame. Everybody solves the problem because we are one. And whatever, if you are receiving a crown on your head, the leg is not like, hey, I'm here to crown me too. The body receives all the honor even though it is the head that receives the crown and so whatever happens to her is an extension of you don't fight an extension don't fight a blessing she's not a threat he's not a threat and I'm using more of the man to the woman context because that's the more common one because there are men that have stifled their own destinies because they limited their own wives God sent them deliverance in form of a wife and they, 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 they killed the woman they killed that extension God sent your family deliverance by sending you a wife, favor from above. And, and, and you say, what do you know? When men are talking, you two are talking. And she can raise your business to the next level. You will not ask her questions when you get back from business. You won't ask her, what do you think? And she has massive capital of intelligence. Three master's degree. But you have relegated her to just be cooking and doing, and she has capacity. But you don't see her as an extension. Amen. It's pride that is killing some homes. The solution is in that home. And they will, they will, they will be doing yes ma to their own bosses. And their wife is times 10 of the quality of that boss. And they will, not even, they, will not, they will take her for granted. This is Deborah. Barak said, I will not go near that battle if you don't go with me. You know, she didn't leave the finger there. The presence of Deborah won the battle. She was just there. That was all. Deborah, just go with me. Your presence is too prophetic. I can't leave it behind. That was the weight of Deborah. And you know it's possible that she's living a lie in her, in, her, in, her, in her husband's house. That she'll go back to Lapidot and Lapidot will, will just laugh it off. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... <laughs> and, <laughs> praise God. And Lapidot will just say, what world are you doing? And maybe the next time she, he, he won't give her the permission to go, to go out and fight. Because he feels threatened by our excellence and success. You need to be very careful. If you have not dealt with pride, you're not ready for marriage, though. you will stifle your partner you say, if it's not me that's receiving the glory, then none of us will receive it. We die poor. Ah. And God sent deliverance in the form of your wife. She's an extension. Not a limitation, an extension. But pride can limit you. Amen. Your wife is a multiplier. Your husband is a multiplier. Don't limit your partner. If you limit your partner, you limit yourself. Because she's an extension. Praise God. How do, you, how do you treat extensions? You acknowledge their contributions in your life and you give them the freedom to express their unique giftings. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Number two, you see them as a reflection. So extension refers to capacity and scope of influence and abilities and potential and assignments and projects and purpose. Reflection speaks to honor. And respect and dignity. She's a reflection of yourself. She's an extension of yourself. She's a reflection of yourself. And a reflection is something that anything that happens to that thing happens to you. It tells on you. It reflects on you. This is why God takes the church very personally. So God, Jesus accused Peter or Paul of persecuting him because the church is a reflection of the Christ. And so Paul was persecuting the church and he thought it was only the church was persecuting. And then Jesus, the savior of the body, showed up and said, why are you persecuting me? You touch them, you have touched me. You, 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 you attack them, you are attacking me. So men are comfortable embarrassing their wives in public. They don't understand this. Some women are comfortable on embarrassing their husbands in public. They don't understand this. Because listen, the reflection part, it is usually in the context of the public and other people apart from just both of yourselves. This is where the reflection comes in. She's a reflection on, of you. When you go for all one base, how do you treat your partner? When you go to places where other people are, do you, do you come as a front, a unified front? Say, I don't mind that. I don't mind that's actually always doing. <sighs> presence of your family members. Amen. Are we still together? She's a reflection. She's a reflection. So you can't be enjoying an embarrassing moment of your wife in public. You are also embarrassing your life if you do that. As a reflection of yourself. Ephesians chapter 5, quickly, Bible says no man hurts himself but you cherish it. You, you take care of it. you honor it. Why should you be angry that your wife is spending all your money? Who do you want to spend it? You want to spend all your money. <laughs> Their job is to spend. I only just get the credit that, yes, it's our money they are spending. It's a joy when a, a man who, who understands this thing, spends on his wife. It's a joy. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, husbands love your wives, even as Christ loves the church and give himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish, so ought men to love their wives as their what? Their own bodies. What do you do to your body? He that loves his wife, loveth himself. He that honoreth his wife, honours himself. He that puts dignity and value on his wife, puts dignity and value on himself. His wife is a reflection of him. Which is why I said this morning, if you dishonor my wife, you have dishonored me. You can't be paying lip service to me and you dishonor my wife and you say, well, at least I'm honoring you. No, she's an extension of me and she's a reflection of me. Whatever happens to her, happens to me. For no man yet hated his own flesh. But nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord of the church. But there's a man in scripture who did not love his own body. Who hated his own body. Who buffeted his own body. He's the madman of Gadara. This is the spiritual picture of any man that does not treat his wife properly. Bible says he lives in caves and tombs. People like that will visit the mistakes of the past and bring it up to your fore and make you regret all the decisions you made in the past, make you feel so small so that they can have an advantage over you because of their insecurity issues. So they will always remind you of how small you are and all the failures you made in your past. And there are women that do that to their man too. They emasculate him, just like we referred to that two weeks ago, how Abigail spoke to Nabal and she killed him right then on the spot. No blows, no knife, nothing, but he was dead. 15 days later, it was confirmed. But that was the moment he died. And it's important that you understand this. This man stayed in caves and tombs. Dead things, they hang around dead things. All the things they should be forgetting, they will, they will keep it alive. They'll remember all the bad things that you have done. All the things, they remember the things you wore the day you spoke to them in a certain way. They've not forgiven you about it. They're living in the tombs. What do they do again? They cut themselves, they buffet themselves, they beat themselves up. And that's what happens when a man beat his wife. You know how crazy it is when you, when you go outside and you're hitting yourself against the wall and you're falling down to the ground and you're slapping yourself and punching yourself and removing your own flesh. That is the reality of a man in the spirit that beat his wife, that raises his hand against the woman because she upset him. Hmm. That's the picture. The madman of Gadara. Tell your neighbor, don't be mad. Don't be mad. He said, the way a man... The way a man he said no man yet ever hated himself and he said he nourishes it and cherishes it even as the Lord the church but this madman did the opposite of all that he stayed in caves he caught himself he always bled every day and Bible says no chain could contain him if you're in a relationship here and there is no accountability structure over you you're already becoming like that man because guess what if you don't have a control over you you would activate your violence over your wife it's guaranteed. Lack of accountability structure is planned violence. i would explain. If you don't have someone that can restrain you, nobody will be able to stop you from beating her up until you kill her. So it is actually in protection of your partner, you place a person above you that can call you to order at short notice. Bible says this man could not be chained. If you chain him one night, by the next day he's gone. They are unfettered. They are, they are unrestrained. And not in a good prophetic way. It is when they are angry, nobody can beg them. Not their pastor, not their mother, not their father. They will do the extent of how angry they are. The way they are feeling is exactly how they will make you feel. They will destroy things. They will come back with flower and bouquet. You see... The madman of Gadara. That's the prophetic picture of a man that does not receive his wife as an extension and as a reflection. Because you don't beat yourself. You don't stab yourself in the head. You don't push yourself to the ground. You don't howl at yourself. Bible talks about how that guy would howl at night like a wolf. Cry in the, in the midst of the tombs. So nagging, complaining. These are the things people who don't understand these dimensions of scripture will do to their partners. Because they don't have revelation. The title of my teaching is the law of revelation. The law of revelation. I know his relationship, but it's getting serious, Abi. But well, that's the idea. It's perhaps the most important subject in our lives right now. We have to be very careful. Don't engage a woman based on vibes. No. Your destiny is dependent on it. And don't be mad. Don't be like that madman of Gadara who caught himself. You're supposed to bestow honor upon yourself. Cherish yourself. Nourish yourself. That's the way you ought to cherish, honor, revere, and respect your partner, your wife, your husband. Amen. Number hmm, number three. Let me just read some things out here. If Joseph had gotten rid of Mary, he would have gotten rid of himself from the genealogy of Jesus Christ. An embarrassed wife doesn't make a proud husband. Amen. An embarrassed wife does not make a proud husband, and vice versa. Never make it your preoccupation to make your wife feel small or your spouse feel small. The church is a reflection of the Christ. Our welfare is your welfare. Your partner is a reflection of you. And you must do everything within your power to protect their image. Magnify her office, magnify his office and honor honor her, honor him as the case may be. And number three, your wife or your partner is the perfection of yourself. Your partner is an extension of yourself, your partner is a reflection of yourself, your partner is a perfection of yourself. So, she's the solution to your deficiencies and the balance to your excesses. She's the solution to your deficiencies and the balance to your excesses. When you fall, somebody can be standing to take you up again. Because God weaved your weakness components as her strength. Amen. So, guess what? If you do not listen to your wife, your family will be a reflection of your own skilled strength. So your family will be a good expression of your strength and a big bad example of your weaknesses because they are only skewed to your own profile. So you and your wife are supposed to be a perfection. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because if you only do the things that you want to do, all your decisions will line up along the lines of your strengths and weaknesses. So your family will enjoy from your strengths and suffer from your weaknesses because you are not a good spender, so money will never be enough in your family. Your your family is not supposed to be a reflection of only your strength and your weaknesses alone. You alone may be, but your family should not be. Your family should enjoy the strength of both parties so that there's no weakness at all. So she's supposed to be your your strength. So the, the areas where she's weak are the areas where you are typically strong. And the areas where you are weak are the areas that she's strong. But what will ensure that there's that collaboration is humility and meekness. If you don't listen to one another, your relationship will be skewed to the direction of the loudest voice. So if it is the man that is always insisting on doing things without visiting with his wife, the relationship will be skewed in the direction of the loudest voice. And that loudest voice also has a weakness. So both families, the family will enter into the ditch that the weakness has provided and made available. But both of you can listen to one another. And of course, because there is God who is sitting as the judge of that relationship, there is that humility to recognize that this idea is superior to what I brought to the table. So let us go with your own so that both of us will not suffer loss. Because whatever loss is not one person that will suffer it, even though that one person may be the, the one responsible for that loss. Not only that person will suffer that loss, both of you will suffer the loss that one person initiated. So both of you have to listen to one another. She was made available for you to perfect you in weakness. She is your perfection. You are his perfection. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're not ready to see your wife like this, you're not ready for marriage. She's an extension. She's a reflection. She's your perfection. So, how you treat your extension is to let them lose, give them the opportunity to fly. How you treat your reflection is to honor them and give them dignity and respect. How you treat your perfection is to listen to them because they are there to cover your errors. So areas that, if not because you were with them, you would have fallen, they will make you stand because they would observe that fall ahead of time and they will give you some advice that will forestall that eventuality. Because they are there to perfect you, so that when you fall, somebody can write, can take you up. And you see, it's supposed to actually be preventive, not that it's after you are fallen. They should both of you should make this together at such a point where she can see things I like that Back home, my wife is telling me some things that if I had stayed in this service ten times, I won't see it. She will just say it. She sees the most. You know, sometimes I will plan something. I just, ah, multi And then I will bring it to my wife. The thing I did not see is the first thing she sees. After 10 hours, I didn't see it. For one minute she has seen it. If you've read manuscript, I talked about four anointings in women. All right? How many of us remember that? Have you read Manuscript. Please go and read manuscripts. Please let's share the, the link to the teaching or to let's just share the, the the book on the platform. It's it's a free ebook. Powerful teaching there. All right. Four anointings. If I remember the leader anointing, the um there's a refiner anointing. There is there are two other anointings. I can't remember them quickly now. Or right right away. Powerful, powerful stuff. She has a refiner anointing. So she's the kind of person that when you bring things to her unfinished, she can help you finish it. Praise God. And there are people with industry. That is, they like, they like to work. They like to create new things. They have, you know, ideas to, to, to build stuff. They, they use their hands a lot. Bakers, entrepreneurs. They like to do business. Usually they'll, they'll do best with consultant type of men. Because they know how to put structures and administrative, you know, protocols in place to ensure that they're their trade thrives amen and of course the leader anointing usually would go well with men who are securing themselves first they're very secure no matter what they're doing they're very secure and they don't feel undermined by the success of their of their partners and then usually there is this dominant anointing i can't remember the specific name but it's like the comforter's anointing all right this is the anointing that most men expect every woman to come in The comforters anointing, the one that comes, you know, rubs your back after you come back from work, make you feel good, serve your your, your food, just encourage you, just always has a word of encouragement to say, just makes you feel good all the time and just comforts you and helps you with your laundry and gives you food and just takes care of your babies, you know, just, just be there and be that sustainer in that sense. And that's the expectation every man has of every woman that comes out. Yes, many women are in this category because we have predispositions based on our respective genders. We can't go into all of that, but the point is this. Whatever it is that your wife comes in, whatever package your wife comes in, it is with your weaknesses in mind. It may be that if she does not come as the leader, you will be shortchanged and be cheated in life. Amen. Yeah. Because left to you, you won't take your possession. No. You, will, you will just And if they want, they should just give me. If they want. Ah, your wife will say, no. Ah, we want. We have decided to want. And then both, because she is that strength to your weakness. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm a very calculated guy. My wife does not keep the money. No. She will give it up and give it all away in two days. Our money will be finished. She's one of the most generous people I know. My generosity is learning. Learning beside my wife and it's you see it's beautiful when both of you recognize those strengths and weaknesses it's beautiful it's amazing you perfect one another because she by herself alone crisis me by myself alone stagnation that's the truth because if if one person is overly calculated you may not be able to believe god for the for, for for the prophetic you my wife has never worried about money all her life, never. Not because she's being a rich person. No. She just doesn't know how to care about money. She just doesn't know how to think. <laughs> she just doesn't go. She's does just living life at the expense of God. I'm telling you. It, it it drives my faith up that we can believe for this. We can also believe for it. But me, I'm the one that after I say 40k is what is left in my account, there's one to 50k somewhere that I've planned, shocked somewhere, and say, in case. In case of, in case of, in case, there's one money there. She, if she didn't ask, the money entered, there was the day, you know, Director Nila came to her house. One money just hit her account. She said, ah, babe, I'm buying you a shoe. Oh yeah, let's buy this shoe. And she she's almost spent the whole thing that day. I said, babe, be coming down, please. If the money enters her account, it's gone. Amen. I'm not calling you out. Okay. No, the generosity is so amazing. But she needs my type. That will plan. I manage a company. I manage a church. I manage our family's finances. So when it comes to money, I can be extremely, I, I think far, you know, I, I think long term. And it's important. Some people are important. Without people like Joseph, Egypt dies after seven years. You've got to think like that. But you can't just be holding and holding without being liberal and give. Because I will provide the seat for the future as well. Amen. So you look for the person that perfects you. She's your extension, she's your reflection, she's your perfection. And only revelation can make you see that. Only revelation. Only revelation. Else you see her as a threat. And what is it? Uh, because you have two master's degree. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, more, and you begin to not compare yourself. Instead of you to collaborate, you now begin to compare and say, hey, I'm better, I'm more. And then the man will not start wielding his gavel of authority and say, I'm the man of this house. And then stifle the woman. Amen. Wow. Stop living among the tombs. Stop cutting yourself. Bible says, Jesus, or Paul speaking, he said, no man hated himself, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it the way Christ the church. So anybody that does that is mad. A man that beat his wife is mad. That's the, that's, that's the, That's the evaluation of scripture. The assessment of scripture over that person is that you're crazy. You tell on your wife to public who cannot help but just, you know, disdain and, you know, embarrass her and shame her. That's, that's, that's. There's a place of accountability where you both report yourself or, you know, tell of each other's weaknesses to a third party who you know is mature enough to handle such things and then give you counsel. There's that place, there's that role. But you don't go out with the with the plan to shame your wife or embarrass her or make him feel small so that you can feel good that's it's it's, it's funny it's like cancer how can a, a cell be rejoicing over the annihilation of another cell in the same body bone of my bone flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man hallelujah are you blessed this morning are you blessed this morning Let's pray once again, especially for those who are yet to make that decision on who to get married to, that the Lord in his mercy will grant them favor. Pray for favor this morning. Pray for favor. If you're yet to get married, ask God to favor you with a wife, to favor you with a husband, because it's by favor. You can't earn it. No matter how good you are, God will still have to have mercy on you. (laughs) But you have to be a husband to qualify for that mercy. You have to be a wife yourself to qualify for that mercy. But at the end of the day, it's still God that has mercy. It's still God that gives favor. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither is there any shadow of turning. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. For in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Can we celebrate Jesus? Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms. At PowerPoint Tribe.